To sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Thank you for calling the ACB radio and information line brought to you by Xeno Media. 518-906-1820. That's 518-906-1820. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right. So, first of all, before we um, get started, I see that Trisha Ebel has come in, who is a panelist. So, if we can get her... Yes, um, Trisha, if you could kindly unmute yourself and I will bring you up here as a co-host, that would be great. More notifications, messages. Oh. It's and not I, working. Oh, oh. yes, it, uh, it I believe like you're here. Yeah, I think you are. Let oh, me. good. It's unmuted. Hello. Yes, there you are. <laughs> hey. All right. All right. So I think we have everybody. Um, on tap. Uh, I want to say good evening to everybody who has joined us. Welcome. And first of all, let me tell you, my name is Vicki. And uh, this has been a project that's kind of been ongoing for quite a while. And so I'm glad to finally be able to bring this to everyone because I think it's a subject that is obviously very current and very, very interesting to everyone. I want to thank Maria Christic for her willingness to provide us with her Zoom wizardry. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> I really do appreciate that. And um, thanks, everyone, for coming. I would like to take a minute to introduce our panelists. What um, I thought would be good is to have three different dog guide schools represented at least three we're fortunate fortunate enough this evening to have four represented um as i didn't uh, i know we could have gotten many more but i just didn't want us to have so much um information coming at everybody and not enough time for questions so we wanted to have sufficient time for questioning also i wanted to have the different formats available, um, residential, home and away type concept, as well as home training. And so we are very fortunate this evening to have a tremendous panel. And what I would like to do is introduce everyone. And there are uh, actually seven panelists, three four graduates and three staff personnel. And I would like to start by having each graduate take about five minutes apiece, talking about give, giving just a little bit of personal personal information, and then talking about their experience in training and what it was like. And then after we hear from the four graduates, we are going to then go to the staff personnel. Um, and hear from what it's like from their end as a everyday, day-to-day -day, uh, dealing with COVID 
and uh, what their daily routine is like and how it's different from what we used to know is normal. So I'd like to start, um, and there's no particular order here, um, but I thought we'd go ahead and start with Brandy Pender. Brandy is from the Guide Dog Foundation. And Brandy, if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself and about your experience training with your puppy. All right. Alexa, play ACB Radio Live again. Uh, Folks, if you are unmuted, kindly mute yourselves. If you are um, panelists and not speaking, it would be helpful. Okay. I apologize. I'm going to uh, do a mute all here. It happens in every Zoom meeting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, just bear with me. I'm, and of course, I'm not getting focused. So, um, but we seem, okay, we seem to be good now. So go ahead. All right. My name is Katie. I live in and as stated with Guide Dog Foundation. And I trained with Uber, my Black Lab Guide Dog, in November of last year so guide dog foundation is usually residential um and during covid they have switched to home training i actually prefer home training because a lot of my routes are a little complicated and different um so basically morning the trainer would come uh, we both wore their distance they only came out once to off dog food and the dog um we would do our route. Um, Brandy, I'm sorry. I'm going to mute again because there seems to be some sort of an echo. So if you, everyone is now muted, if uh, Brandy, feel free to come back in. And I do apologize. Okay. Um, Brandy, I've sent you a prompt to unmute yourself. Okay, okay. there you go. <laughs> sorry about that. I'm not sure what is going on this evening. Thank you for your patience. No worries. So we would do the questionnaire every morning, the temperature. Um, luckily I can walk to work from where I live. So we did a lot of walking. One thing that was almost alarming was that they weren't going to do subway and bus training because they hadn't really done that yet with the student and living in New York city. I'm like, well, eventually I got to take the subway and I want to do it with the trainer, but they kindly worked it out to where they sent us in 95s and me and the trainer did do two trips into the city on the subway. And we did have a little scare where one of us did get exposed and we had to take a about six days off. We each got tested and then we continued. So poor Uber had six days where he just had me with my cane and him on a leash and him looking at me like, why in the world are you wandering all over the place, lady? Like, <laughs> let's put my harness on. <laughs> but we made it through and training went fine and everything was safe and we're doing great as a team. So. All in all, it was a great experience. Wonderful. Yeah, it's, I know that that has been an issue with regard to um, some of the unavailability of some locations. Uh, And I know that there are some concerns about that. And we will probably address that um, in some of the questions that come up. Thank you so much, Brandy. Um, Let's move on to Tricia. Evil from the seeing eye. And I know that Trisha was one of in the very first class back 
in August. Um, so let's hear about your experience, uh, Tricia, in the first residential class back at Seeing Eye. All right. Can you guys hear me? Yes. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Vicki. And thank you, Brandy. That was a sounded like a really nice experience you had. Good for you. So my name is Tricia Ebel. I live in New Jersey and I am working with my sixth guide dog from Seeing Eye. I actually work in the field of uh, working with people that are blind and visually impaired. I'm a vision loss specialist. I do counseling, all kinds of things to help people get their independence back. I also do a lot of volunteering for the Seeing Eye. Uh, before pandemic hit, I was doing the public visits, educational outreach, fundraising, all that good stuff. Now we're going to start doing it virtually. We've been doing some uh, outreach virtually, and we will continue. So I was in the first class from when the Seeing Eye opened. A class date started on August 24th. I received my dog on the 26th. I really didn't have too many hesitations going into, into class during the pandemic because I knew that the seeing eye was going to have everything in tip-top shape and have everybody be safe. And so the my only thing was, you know, how is it going to be, you know, socializing with people? How are the people going to be, the other students? Um, for one thing, the seeing eye cut their class numbers in half. There was only 10 people in my class I believe they're still doing something like that now. Typically, a class at the Seeing Eye is approximately 20 to 24 students, approximately four students to one instructor. So there were some really good benefits out of the pandemic and having training with a guide dog because I had one other woman in my group. My instructor, for those of you who know the Seeing Eye, was Brian McKenna. Mm -hmm. And I think this time around, I had more one-on-one -on -one training, constant I mean, there were even times when Brian and I met out in the hallway 530 in the morning to work on things. You know, the training at the Seeing Eye has always been exceptional. And this was no, you know, nothing of the less. It was it was amazing. And the staff went above and beyond to make sure that everybody was safe. We all got our temperatures taken. There were a lot of changes. We had to wear masks throughout the building and in training. Uh, they didn't have tablecloths on the table. They used all plastic silverware and so on. Not many people were in the building at all. The training, I feel that the training that I had over the, the two weeks that I was there, you know, really was substantial and it, it worked out very well. We did not go into New York City, but that's okay. We didn't do any indoor dining, but we did a lot of other stuff that we needed to work on. We were able to go on the New Jersey Transit trains. We did some outdoor dining. In the evenings at night on the weekends, we walked through the busy streets of Morristown and we exposed the dog to some live bands and music and crowds and drunk people, which was really good <laughs> because I really wanted to see how the dog would do because I'm big with going out and going to concerts and stuff. Um, we, we did escalators and we did stores. We did go into some other uh, restaurants to get takeout and stuff, but when the instructor saw that if it was too many people, he's like, Trish, turn around, let's go. You know, so so my training experience was top notch as always. And my instructor did say to me, you know, if the time comes and I want to go into the city before, you know, with him, you know, with the dog before I go on in on my own, you know, he'll definitely do that. But, you know, I, I feel that the dogs were in the city. I'm confident. I'm good. So I think that, 
you know, I'm good to go. And, and my sixth dog here is a shepherd, my first shepherd. So that was a big learning curve. And Brian and I had a lot of time to work on things and, you know, it's a whole different learning thing. So I'm, I'm very happy with the way everything worked out. Oh, it sounds great. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And honestly, you know, they had everything so taken care of and clean. But, you know, for the six months before that, I was worried about the pandemic and COVID. When I got to the seeing eye, that just left my mind. I wasn't even worried, even thinking about it, thinking, oh, do I have a temperature? It was it was amazing. It really was. Well, I'm kind of hoping you had a temperature as long as it was normal. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, but they did. They so took much. the temperatures every day that we were there every morning. So it was it was amazing. I'm, I feel very lucky and grateful. I'll shut Thank up now because I could just go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Trisha. I really appreciate that. Um, you got it. We are very fortunate to have Chris Trottle Conklin from the CNIB Guide Dog School in Canada, because as we all know, the pandemic did not just affect us here in the United States. It has affected people across the world. And so Chris um, has been a friend for quite a while, and her experience was more like what a home and away would be. So I thought it would be terrific to have her talk about her experience uh, training with a guide uh, in the more of the residential and home training type concept. So, Chris, let's hear all about you and your experience. Is Chris muted? Yes, I'm check. Oh, there. Are you here? Yes. uh, Let me. Chris, you have a prompt there to unmute yourself. Hopefully that should help you out. Um, I will send it again. Um, I'm unable to unmute, but I can only send the prompt. So, okay, can everyone hear? There me you now? are. There okay, she is. okay. Awesome. Sorry, I started talking. I'm like, no one's answering me. <laughs> <laughs> You're anyway, here Vicky, now. <laughs> I'm here now. That's right. Thank you, Vicky, for for having Cody and me. Um, so Cody is my first golden retriever and my first experience with CNIB guide dogs. Uh, previously, my dogs have mainly come from guiding eyes. I've been a, a, a guide dog user for 31 years, but that only makes me 30. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I, I really thank you, Brandy and Trish for sharing your stories. Um, I, you know, I didn't have the worry so much about, you know, training with COVID. My thing was, I was just really excited to, you know, go to, a you know, new school, uh, my trainer is here, so nothing but good things to say. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's in, in true. It is true. Um, but we we had a great time. Um, so Rob uh, actually met uh, met myself. Um, him and Cody met me, uh, you know, at the train. We uh, Cody was very excited to see me. Um, unconventionally, I had the pleasure of meeting Cody prior to class. Uh, Rob was in my neighborhood and was able to to bring Cody for a visit. Um, which was actually really good for the bond. Um, that doesn't always happen. So I definitely feel honored and blessed to to been able to have that experience with Cody. Um, so I hadn't seen him for about six weeks, I guess. And I wasn't really sure what his reaction would be, what, but he kind of went off his golden head. He was very silly and rubbing against <laughs> me. So he he obviously remembered who I was, which was like awesome. Um, our training was not, you know, your traditional training. Um, it was just Rob and myself. So we kind of, 
literally jumped in with two feet. And, um, you know, being that I had had a dog before um, and Cody was just kind of like, yeah, whatever, let's go. So we did. Um, we, the first uh, 10 days, uh, we were in a hotel. Um, now the CNIB Guide Dog Program, um, the training is done in a hotel, even prior to COVID. Um, so that part of the, the training, you know, was new to me, obviously, because I had gone to class previously. And I've also done the home training part. Um, so for me, the excitement was, you know what? A, I've never had a golden retriever. B, you know, this is a new school. So I really wanted to to make sure that I learned everything that I could about Cody and about what Rob was teaching me at, at the school. Um, just like the rest of you, we did travel around with masks on. Um, as much of a pain as it is, I guess it's the, the new norm, whatever, for right now. Um, we did, you know, escalators. We, um, obviously, being that we did spend time in a hotel, we did, you know, eat at restaurants. Um, so Cody did have that experience. Uh, we did go to the mall. We did buses. Honestly, pretty much everything um, that I would normally do, with the exception of we didn't really see the crowds of people as much, except for in the mall. But when we were out walking around, we didn't really, you know, run into as many people. Um, the the our class was known as this is life class. Uh, we had, you know, some experiences that. No one really should have to deal with. Uh, we were actually refused at the hotel that we initially stayed at 24 hours after being there um, because we were doing some work in the hotel and they kind of freaked out and wanted to, uh, thought that we were going to go into a restaurant, even though the restaurant was closed. We were just kind of working with Cody and, and another client and and their dog. Um, so it, it just got to be pretty stressful. Um, I just said, look, at, I'm not really prepared to stay in a situation where you know, how am I going to know, uh, you know, are Cody and I going to be able to walk around the hotel just to kind of get to know each other without having to worry about, are, we, are they going to give us a hard time? So we decided that it was in everyone's best interest, less stress for for Rob and myself and the other trainer that was there and the dogs that we go to a different hotel. It was the best thing that we could have done. Um, once Rob and I came home, um, you know, uh, Rob and I and our friend Sue, who is also on the call, we took the two dogs to go for a play. And well, you know, as as per my class and per things that happened for me, um, Cody hurt his foot. So he was actually then off work for, what was it? I think two weeks, Rob. And um, so, yeah, it was really, it was really weird. Um, you know, Rob had to go home because there's no point in him staying in, in, in Windsor for, for two weeks when he could be home with his family and then come back and work with Cody and I. So Cody... And I just kind of got going and then we had that, that two-week break. Um, obviously, the bond just grew while Rob was away. But it, it's kind of a bit of a bummer because you, you just want to keep going, right? You just want to learn, learn, learn. And, and we had to kind of, okay, take a break. Um, but Cody has healed up just fine. It's been six months that we've been together and um, he's a happy golden boy. And uh, thanks to CNIB Guide Dogs, they've given me the right dog and I couldn't be happier. Oh, that's great. Yeah, what an experience. I guess, you know, when it comes to dog guide class, keeping an open mind is so, so very important. Um, okay, so the next uh, person that we are going to hear from um, is going to be Maria with regard to leader dogs. And uh, we don't have a staff person here from leader, but Maria has all the information that... Um, uh, we are going to need uh, this evening. So, Maria, 
Let's uh, hear what you have to share with regard to um, leader dogs. All right. Thanks, Vicky. So I have not uh, yet currently gone into any kind of training since COVID uh, has started, but I've been in communication with a couple of uh, leader dog staff members. I am a current client of theirs and I've been in communication in the last couple of weeks because I've been interested to know what the situation is um, currently like to just keep my options open. My guide dog, she's doing pretty well, but she is 11. And so you just never know what would, what would happen exactly. So I want to have a sense of what was going on. Um, so I suppose my comments, uh, which I'll be brief, will kind of be a little bit of a segue between student and uh, the training ex- uh, experiences that we'll hear next, because I did ask a couple of questions with regards to um, the, what the, the training was like and how the dogs adapted as well. So um, in terms of the, the current situation, um, so well, leader dog, you know, last year um, they had opened up, I want to say around June, I believe they were the they may have been the first guide dog organization to uh, have on-campus services resume um, after the the pandemic began. And um, they had been going from basically June to November. Um, They, uh, you know, during the the March to June, a lot of the dogs were at um, puppy raisers and instructors' homes, and some of them did remain uh, on campus. Uh, But once the services resumed, they initially started only with local classes. And then by November, when they had to close again due to rising numbers, they were having people flying in from locations uh, where the COVID numbers were uh, declining. And so in terms of the um, on-campus experience, so that I I actually, the way the the timing worked out, I spoke um, to an instructor uh, a couple of weeks ago and the on-campus, the school has just reopened literally starting March 1st. So, and they're going to be welcoming the first guide dog class back um, on March uh, 15th. So um, this is what I'm saying is kind of in between a transition time, assuming that what was there, you know, at November um, is going to be resuming um, the same now. But um, what they told me in terms of uh, the class experience, they mentioned again, as as others have said, people, you know, wearing masks when they're in common areas. Um, they were pointing out how their dining room, uh, one of the doors of their dining room opens into a banquet room that they have. So they have a ton of space for people to spread out um, doing social distancing in the dining uh, hall. And if people are uncomfortable with that, they um, also do allow clients to eat uh, their meals in their rooms as well. Um, They absolutely emphasize with me that they have hand sanitizer all over the place. Um, They've limited the uh, volunteers who can come on campus, currently only volunteers who work with the dogs are on campus. So uh, clients aren't interacting with any volunteers. They're just interacting with a limited number of staff. Um, In terms of the uh, routes, um, they were saying that they've limited the number of people who can go in each uh, training uh, vehicle at a time when going to different locations. And certainly, um, like others have said, the classes are definitely smaller. The class uh, coming in that's going to be coming in on the 15th of March has uh, 10 or 11 students, which is... uh, 
probably half or maybe a little bit more than half uh, what the class size would have been um, pre-COVID. And so especially, you know, during the time that they were shut uh, to on-campus classes, but just even in general, they've been using um, at-home training to kind of fill that um, need. And so there has been more uh, at-home training than there has been in the past. And um what they told me in terms of that option was that, uh, you know, first, a lot of it has to do with communication. The instructors, um, you know, will call and ask if the client is comfortable with, with uh, the instructor coming to their house. Um, if so, of course, for both of them to wear a mask. And if not, they'll certainly meet the client outside. So they very much want to keep comfort and safety is a high priority. Of course, wearing masks, of others have said. And I did find it interesting. They actually mentioned that um, they were having apparently some clients were having trouble hearing the instructors because they do try of course to um, distance as much as possible even when wearing the mask there are certain times when that's you know not possible but um, because they try and do it as much as they can um, some people were having trouble hearing the instructors as they were farther away and with traffic noise and what have you so they actually found um, some amplifiers that they found produced uh, some pretty understandable sound and so the instructors are um, using those amplifiers if need be when they are um, social distancing from the clients to make sure that they are um, that they are understood um, in terms of the uh, roots, they uh, did indicate that other, like um, as Chris had said, that there wasn't so much of an impact on things they couldn't do. They were able to do the um, general routes that would be there for training, general types of things, public transportation and, um, you know, malls and the like. But as Chris said, also just the uh, less crowds in these areas than there would have been uh, pre-COVID. Um in terms of, I'm just checking here, the notes, um, they did mention they have not had any issues um, with uh, any students or instructors testing positive for COVID um, with the, the uh, on-campus and at-home experience. And they've said um, they've gotten feedback from clients that the clients have felt very safe. Um, I did ask, you know, do they require any kind of negative tests and such? And they said they did not. It was um, a screening, you know, question every day, are you experiencing symptoms and the like? And if either party was, of course, then at that point, you know, that the training would be, um, you know, suspended until it was safe to uh, resume it. Um, just checking here uh, through my notes very quickly. Um, oh, I asked in terms of uh, training as well, did this um, change the pandemic in any way? Um, what the training was like? So, for instance, did they um, do any kind of uh social distancing or trying to teach the dogs to distance a little bit. And they said essentially that they weren't really emphasizing that both because they were finding that the dogs just weren't really getting it particularly, but because that was uh, contradicting the, you know, follow command that, you know, you do want the dogs to follow people. And so they were finding it um, a little, I guess the, the dogs are finding it kind of harder to, to reconcile the two. So they weren't um, necessarily uh, pushing that. And so, um, you know, the takeaway seems to be very much, uh, 
you know, communication and flexibility is what I've gotten. You know, if um, they've had problem, they, they've had instances where, you know, they, they, they um, were supposed to train a client and maybe go to their home or have the client now come in. But the uh, COVID numbers in that county were increasing for the week or two prior to when they thought that the client was going to come in and or they were going to go out to the client. And so they had to call the client and, you know, postpone that training until hopefully the numbers um, got better. Um, and, you know, in terms of, uh, so it's been about you know, flexibility and um, communication. Um, and I, I have to say, just, uh, you know, it sounded to me from speaking with them that they did definitely have some uh, procedures in place that were working well and that, you know, the dogs are working well. They've adapted to all of us, you know, wearing masks in this new normal and that they're um, being good guides. And, you know, if I did have to go in very soon, I definitely felt that I would be comfortable to do so. And I will also say I'm not... Um, this came out, I want to say it's September or October thereabouts, but there is a YouTube video. And again, I mean, so much of this is time sensitive, but I imagine a lot of it still applies um, because it did kind of match what I just explained in some ways. Um, there is a webinar on the YouTube channel for Leader Dog on their COVID-19 protocols as well. So you might find that helpful also if you're interested. Wow. Wow, thank you so much, Maria. What a lot of information. Yeah, I I, I asked a lot of questions. I spent a long time. <laughs> well, I, I you know, when I really when we first thought about this idea for the call, I predominantly was interested in, you know, hearing and talking with um graduates about uh, you know, their experience. However, I also felt that it was important to include staff in on this call because let's face it, our dog guide uh, school staff are the ones that deal with these um, differences every day. And so I'm very curious not only to hear how things are going day to day, but how, like especially for the schools, um, our, our first uh, staff person will be Rivi from um, Guide Dog Foundation. And um, I know that as of right now, at least unless something has changed, which she can tell us about, they're only doing home training, as as Brandy has shared. Um, what are the plans? Um, are there plans to go back to residential training, or do they, or do you feel that things are good the way they are? And how are things on a day to day basis there at GDF um, <laughs> post COVID? Thank you. you do. Oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Vicki. Those are wonderful questions. Hi, everybody. My name is Rivi Israel. I'm the Guide Dog Program Manager for the Guide Dog Foundation. Um, it is a wonderful school. And Brandy, thank you so much for the wonderful introduction to our school earlier. Currently, we are doing all home trainings. Uh, we have found that the procedures for our home trainings have been very safe. Um, to date, since uh, the beginning of when this pandemic started and our shutdown, uh, we've actually already graduated uh, 29 people this fiscal year, which is from July 1 until now. Uh, we do actually have four home trainings going on at this moment, and everything is going really well. Uh, for, as Brandy explained, that we do have a lot of protocols for our home trainings. And our first and foremost, most important thing ever is the safety of our staff and our, and our, and our consumers. Uh, so before training, everybody is getting a COVID test to make sure everybody is negative. Uh, we have a lot of different procedures in place uh, just to make sure that everybody does stay safe. 
So for example, when we're doing Juno walks, we'll use a longer Juno handle. Other examples are, you know, when we're using a vehicle, it's one person per vehicle, um, uh, one instructor and one student per vehicle, and we are disinfecting the vehicles in between each use. Uh, we are doing a lot of hand sanitizer, a lot of the regular PPE uh, precautions using N95 masks, a lot of the things that all of all of the guide dog schools are doing. Um, so I know Vicky was asking about plans moving forward. Um, right now, I can't answer that um, just because the pandemic right now is just so there's so many unknowns. And with all the unknowns, it comes with, you know, we have ideas as to what we'd want to do, but we're not really able to kind of put things down into specifics because we're waiting for the government to come out with, you know, for example, everybody getting vaccinated. Once everybody's vaccinated, what are we going to do at that point? Um, are the vaccines going to work? There's a lot of different questions out there as to, you know, where the pandemic is going into the future. So we are definitely taking things day by day, just like I'm sure almost every other school is doing as well. Uh, we are certainly working on future plans and we will certainly be updating all of our consumers um, as soon as we do have those in place. Um, on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, we are continuing to train dogs. Uh, our instructors are going out, they are doing their training, the dogs are learning, and we're able to progress, progress dogs into uh, throughout the training process, which is wonderful. Um, we are definitely being cautious for where we're going. Uh, so, for example, we're not going into any of the, the yellow zones, like New York State has uh, different color zones. So any zone that is uh, kind of a higher risk area, we are not going into. Um, but we will go into some safer areas that are not going to be as crowded, but we'll give the dogs the exposure for those crowds. Um, so we are being very cautious, very careful with what we're doing. Um, again, just making sure that the staff and our consumers stay as safe as possible. Um, and again, you know, we just uh, want to continue working with all of our consumers. Um, our instructors uh, have been working this past year on various different committees. Um, so, for example, they came up with an advocacy committee um, where the instructors were working on what you guys can do as consumers to advocate for yourself during the pandemic. Um, so there's a lot of wonderful things that uh, our team came up with. Uh, you can visit our website at guidedog.org for more information. Uh, we also do have some other committees such as uh, targeting and using ID canes um, and making sure that we're going to be as safe as possible when we're out there in public and not really using, feeling around and trying to figure out where things are, where you are going to get more germs on your hands. So there's a lot of different things that we are doing just to uh, make things better and as safe as possible as we move to the future. Um, so I just want to say thank you for everybody who's on this call. And if you have any questions, just want to direct you to our website at idog.org. Thank you again. Oh, th thanks so much, Ruby. It's, it's just amazing to hear how our schools are keeping moving forward. Um, and it's so good to hear that. Um, next, I want to move to Dave Johnson from The Seeing Eye and to hear how, you know, The Seeing Eye, which is a, you know, residential, also doing home trainings, um, but residential program, how things are going there for uh, everyday life and all the adventures that come along with this crazy pandemic. Uh, thanks, Vicki, and hi, everyone. Um, nice to see everyone. And I will tell you that we're sort of resuming all of our programs <clears throat> in a very cautious way at the Seeing Eye. We've, we've trained uh, right around 70 people um, since we've returned to service. And uh, as Tricia said, Depending upon the amount of instructors on a team, whether there's five or six, we might 
if we have six, we'll train 12 in a class and five would be 10 in a class. Um, so the ratio is two to one. And what we've been doing is taking all the new students home as a home and away at the end of class. Initially, that was put together so that we could empty the building and have it vacant uh, for a, for two weeks between classes because we didn't know what to expect with the deep cleans and so on, whether we were going to see virus or not at the beginning. And what we've learned is that we don't have to do that because our protocols are really good. Um, one of the things that's just been incredible about our our residential training is, A, it wouldn't work if if our students weren't so great. I mean, they just comply and we're all in this together and you've got to wear your mask, you got to wash your hands and you have to do everything the right way. On the other hand, there's the staff, um, our manager of the uh, dietary and household comes in at 4 a.m. every morning and dons a suit and he uh, atomizes the entire residence while everybody's still asleep. And, uh, when they wake up, everything's been dried. It's with an antiviricide. So anyway, we've we've been able to keep everybody safe on campus. We've done twelve home trainings, and I think there's a couple finishing up, a couple more finishing up right now. Um, and we're we've now uh, started quarantining at our expense. Um, our our uh, students who are coming into class. We've got a local hotel who gave us a great rate. And so uh, for folks who can't afford to come to New Jersey and quarantine, we're footing the bill for that. Um, those, those individuals are contributing $50 towards their quarantine um, just so that they have, uh, can say that they were part of the deal. And then we're providing meals on weekdays. We're providing lunch and dinner and the hotel provides uh, breakfast. That's opened our doors to be able to serve folks who live farther away um, we have served a number of people who flew to us, but they had to quarantine in New Jersey. Uh, we have not faltered on our quarantine time, despite the fact that the state of New Jersey lowered it to 10 days. We've stayed with 14 days quarantine um, at 10 days. Even with a test, people can uh, be up to 15% uh, still carrying if they've had a previous test. So we haven't been willing to take that chance. Um, so far, I, I do have one instructor who has recovered um, and she was infected in her family. So she was just out of work and away from us. But um, other than that, we've had no infections on campus, no students. We had one student who was lucky enough to be with us while her entire family got sick and she had to actually go home and quarantine away from them. But she avoided the, the virus. Um, the most difficult thing is follow-up services. Um, we've just not been able to, you know, jump on a plane and go help people um, because any anything we do uh, warrants a quarantine on the staff person's part, and we also can't put people in harm's way and make them travel at the moment. So we're doing a lot of phone support. Um, I'm a little concerned with what's going to be on the other end of this because I feel like the phones aren't ringing as much and I think people are staying in more. And I'm afraid as we come out of this tunnel that people are, uh, that the dogs, some of the dogs are going to say, Hey, I've been on the couch for 
for five or six months. I really don't want to do this anymore. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, we the the CDC came out with guidelines. There's been some changes. We we monitor everything very very closely. The CDC guidelines are actually contradicting themselves because we were hoping to look at being able to uh, travel people, travel instructors more freely and travel students more freely, but uh, there's still quarantine implications. Most of our staff is vaccinated. Um, I just got my second Pfizer today. Um, and, and I would say most of the training staff and the household staff who interacts with students are vaccinated. Um, but there's a fair amount of st- staff that are still working off campus remotely so that they don't have to come in. And, and some of those individuals are vaccinated as well. Um, we're going to, we monitor everything every day. Um, uh, I've never lived through anything like this, as I think we're all saying that. But we started planning and talking about this at the end of last year, December, January, monitoring the news. And the, the class that we had in session in March, we actually, I actually sent them home. I think it was St. Patrick's Day last year. And pretty much every day of that class, I was talking to the entire class saying, change of plans, change of plans every day, um, because we had to shorten things up and, and keep people safe and get them out. So we're always going to endeavor to try and do the right thing. But um, the virus sort of kind of tells us what to do um, at the moment. The concern is that, the, as you know, the virus has mutated. There are different strains of it. And uh, the experts are telling us that we might see another surge in a month, and they don't know whether the vaccines are going to cover the the mutated strains very well. So I think we're going to be cautious um, until we see differently. And I'd like to say that we'll know a lot more next, next fall when when we can progress more, possibly because of so much more herd immunity uh, with people having been vaccinated. Wow. Yeah, that's, it, it just really does bring that whole idea of keeping an open mind and keeping an ear on what's going on and being able to move forward in the safest and most efficient way possible. One of, um, one of the things I should add, Vicki, is, is that, you know, w- when we think of, of this crazy business that we're all in. Um, there's so many different prongs to it. And at any given time, we have about 500 puppies with puppy raisers. We haven't stopped anything that we normally do other than the fact that we're not tra- traveling in New York City as freely and we're not down in the subways as much. We're doing other things instead. But our puppy raisers <clears throat> are out there and they're still exposing the dogs and doing all the things they have to do to the best of their ability. And we've had situations where puppy raising families have, have gotten the virus and we've had to get the dog out of their home and, and quarantine the dog on campus, you know, and, and, you know, everybody be careful because they can transmit things on their coats until we've, yeah. so there's just so much to it. And, and, uh, I think everybody's coping skills have been pushed to the limits. That's that's what I what I see, and um, my my experience has been that the students actually relax when they get to us. They're like, "Oh, finally, some place to land." I guess it's, you know, 
a some sense of normal away from home. Well, that's what Tricia said, and yeah. and it, it does make sense. Um, it, it really does. Uh, just once you're secure there and feel safe, I think that we can all testify for one way or another to that. Um, I certainly have been through my own adventures with regard to COVID. Um, we are very fortunate to have Chris's instructor, Rob Kramer, with us. And I, I felt like he would be a very interesting person to hear from because he is on the front lines every day training dogs and then training people with their dogs. And um, I just was very interested to hear what it was like just, you know, going through the actual training process with these dogs, give, giving them as much of a education as possible, knowing that so many places were closed and shut down and uh, yet wanting to give the dogs as much uh, exposure as possible so that when they're matched, they'll be ready to face the world, so to speak, as a guide. So, Rob, um, um, let's hear from you about your exciting experience. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Vicki, and thanks for having me. It's been great to hear everyone's perspective um, on this, uh, yeah, sort of unique time in history. Um, I guess the, the big takeaway from the past year for me has been what's been required to get through it. And I think the biggest thing has been flexibility um, from our handlers, from our dogs, from our staff, um, and positivity, just just the desire to move forward and find solutions. Because it seems like every day, every week, uh, like everyone else has said, there's a new change, a new challenge that we need to rise to. Um, so it's it's been it's been a challenge at times, but it's also been kind of exciting because it's forced us to be a little bit more innovative and think outside the box and look at how we do things uh, and find ways to overcome rather than finding ways um, rather than you know not doing something. We've just said, okay, we can't do it the normal way. How can we move forward? So. Um, one of the first things uh, we, we did when the pandemic first hit um, and first really started affecting us in March of last year, um, we put all our dogs out into borders um, and we sort of took some time to, to reset and um, reassess how we were going to do things. Um, most of our trainers and guide dog mobility instructors had at least one dog home with them. Um, and the first priority was to work with that one dog. If we weren't able, we weren't sure again about transmission, um, you know, whether the dogs were going to be able to pick anything up at that early stage and then bring it back to borders. So we just focused on those one or two dogs that we could have in our home. Um, the next challenge was we walked out into the world and normally people, especially in modern times, aren't very good at getting out of the way when you're walking, which as a guide dog instructor is perfect. I want to teach the dogs to go around those people. Um, all of a sudden, when I first started training these dogs last March, and people were giving me a two-meter clearance, <laughs> which was great from a safety perspective with COVID, um, but I was concerned about the dogs learning to negotiate obstacles and deal with that crowd work that they need to do. Um, so one of the one of the things we did at that early stage was we enlisted the help of our of our families, uh, immediate family, um, colleagues when it was safe to do so. And we, we did a lot of artificial obstacle work. Um, so I had my kids and my wife running ahead of me, uh, creating obstacles. I had the kids on their bikes, you know, cutting in front of the dogs, trying to create some obstacle work. 
Um, sometimes they were setting up obstacles for the dogs to go around. So it was just trying to make the best of the situation and give the dogs the knowledge that they needed um, to proceed and be safe with their handlers and keep their handlers safe. So, um, and that's continued to be a challenge. It's, um, it's, it's had its ebbs and flows when, depending on the level, um, you know, when we've had big jumps in the amount of COVID cases, um, there's a lot less people around, a lot less people um, to avoid. Um, shopping centers have been closed at times. We've, we've also had to be really cautious when using public transit, um, but with the knowledge that we needed to expose those dogs to those environments. Um, so it's been, yeah, trying to adapt, trying to pick our timing. So, um, you know, we, we've had to really um, embrace the opportunity when malls are open, when um when thing when restrictions have been relaxed a little bit we've we've then you know rushed to the nearest mall to do escalator training with the dogs um so it's sort of we've we've had to adapt we haven't been able to have a strict um training timeline with these dogs um but amazingly the, the quality of the dogs um so far um trained during this pandemic has been great um we haven't seen any sort of regression our success rate is has uh, maintained as well so it's it's actually been um it's it's actually had yeah minimal impact um in terms of numbers um one of the other benefits um thinking back has been um the masks tend to fog up my glasses so the dogs <laughs> are a lot of partial blind spots it's um sort of natural sim specs um so that that's been I think my dogs have been better prepared in that way. Um, but, um, and then, yeah, once we, we've moved on to um, training our handlers with the dogs, that forced us to adapt again. And we've done some classes like what Chris did with, with myself, um, where we did like a home and away, did a certain period of time at a hotel just to get people the ability to focus on that dog. Um, and then we've gone home with them um, and done the work at home. Uh, predominantly though, we've been doing home-based training with our handlers. So, um, and then again, it's just adapting to the situation in that, um, in that part of the country, because some kind some parts of Canada have higher levels of restrictions. Some have lower levels of restrictions. Um, there's been certain areas that we haven't been able to go to because they've had very few cases of COVID. So they're um being very cautious uh, with what people can come in but we have been declared essential workers uh, within within the country so we've been able to get out there and get people um, the dogs to help them and just keep moving forward and uh, maintaining positivity so yeah as i said it's it's had its challenges but um, but we've moved we've moved through i've been so impressed with with our team my colleagues um our volunteers have been amazing um we've They've, they've assisted us with boarding, um, sometimes being obstacles for me, um, socially distanced. So it's uh, everyone's just come together. I, I always say it takes a village to raise a guide dog and this year, perhaps more so than others. Mm -hmm. Wow. I think that's that's a good way to put that because um, that's never been more true than it is now. Um, I think the common theme that I have been hearing um, throughout everyone that we've heard speak uh, this evening is the fact that they are doing everything possible to keep everyone as safe as humanly 
possible. And one of the main reasons that I wanted to do this call was for those individuals who especially were considering uh, applying back either to uh, uh, for a successor dog or for those who maybe were considering applying for their first dog and just wondering, was this the right time or should I wait? And I know that uh, seeing I in particular at one point had said, don't hold off your application, you know, go ahead and apply um, as they are, they were moving forward um, just a little bit differently with their application process. Um, uh, Chris or um, Maria will help us with the question part of this, but I just, I want to, um, first of all, thank everyone for the wonderful contributions um, this evening. And um, if you have a question that you want uh, the entire panel to address um, or, you know, some of the folks to address, if you have a specific question for either the staff person or the graduate of any given school, uh, please feel free to share that information. Um, but let me turn it over to Maria so she can uh, give everyone the um, way to raise your hand to ask a yeah. question. All right. Thank you, Vicki. So yes, if you'd like to ask a question, you can raise your hand, which you can do if you're using a Windows uh, PC. You can use the sh keyboard shortcut Alt-Y. If you are using um, a Mac, you can use Option-Y. If you are um, using a mobile device, uh, there is a More button on your screen. And then if you double tap on that, there should be a Raise Hand option in that menu. And if you are calling in, dialing in on a phone, that is a store nine to raise your hands. So go ahead. And we do have some uh, raised hands. So first we have Pam. So Pam, go ahead and ask your question. You should be able to uh, unmute. Hi there. Hi. Hi, Marie. You're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask, uh, let's say I, I just found out I'm going to have to retire um, my, how how long is the wait period for seeing I if you just now if you're fixing to fill out the application for our, our retrain would it be like next Thanksgiving or <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll answer that uh, Pam nice to hear from you um, it, it's a it's a hard question to answer um, because we're working off lists of people who are on the list Uh and have been waiting a while, but we, we get people, for instance, um, the next class starts uh, the end of March and we had people say it was still going to be too cold for them to come to New Jersey. Well, <laughs> that just kind of pushes them off a while. And, and so we work through lists, but um, we're at half capacity. So I anticipate we're going to serve 125 to 150 people instead of 250 plus and, and and we're doing the home trainings as well i encourage everybody to get an application in get yourself noticed get yourself on on the uh, radar for us and we'll work from there um initially we were taking all local people who could drive but now we're starting to take people from a further distance um some and it, it of course it all uh it, it it all has to do with whether we have the right match for you as well. I, I don't know whether that helps you or not. It's kind of vague and and 
only because we don't have all the answers yet. As soon as we can up our capacity, we'll we'll get more people through the system. But there's there's two hundred people waiting now. Okay, and next we have Tyann. You should be able to unmute. Hi, I'm Tyann Wilmath, and I just recently did in home training back in November uh, with Guide Dogs of America. So my question to the graduates is. Uh, how do you keep your dog busy? Because, you know, we kind of have to either stay inside or be we're limited on what we can do. That's that's a really good question. Would you mind if I answered? Okay. Did I cut you off? No. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, that that's a great question because people had said to me when I had put my application in and was waiting, you know, why do you want to go and get a dog when you can't go anyplace? You know, but contrary to that belief, you know, we are not going out to work. We're working from home, but having the luxury of being able to just pick up a harness and taking a walk around the block or down to a store or anything, you know, is key to me. So, you know, I have my dog almost six months now. He's doing fabulous. And I just make sure that every day, a couple of times a day, even if the weather's okay, we go out and we do a couple of really good walks, you know, at least three miles. You know, I'll go to my mom's and walk. I'll go to my in-laws and walk, you know, or just even just take a leisurely walk down to a store or something like that. But it, it is important to keep the dogs busy. You know, so you just got to keep moving and moving and moving and staying inside on snowy days, doing obedience, you know, and doing, you know, different things like that. So I think that's a good question. Uh, this is Vicki. And one of the things that I've also done um, is uh, to run around some of the big stores like Sam's Club and uh, Wally World, uh, Walmart, um, because not <laughs> only are they, you know, big enough to, to, to get some work in, but they're quite the, the clearance work so the dog is actually getting <laughs> quite a bit of uh, clearance work in some of these uh crazy stores uh so yeah uh, being creative um great uh, trisha um how about some of the other uh graduates uh would like to take that this is brandy um luckily i'm still working i'm a massage therapist so we're going to work every day but there was some of that indoor stuff missing like usually by now you know i've had uber for months i would have gone to a restaurant 15 20 times by now but we just had our first um indoor dining experience a couple weeks ago and then today we went to the dentist and it is very different because he doesn't see as many people indoors um and he's fine. He's perfect, as Rivi can contest. So he was wonderful. <laughs> but it's kind of nerve-wracking, you know, like, oh, what is he going to do? Because I've had him for four months and we've barely been, besides work, we've barely been indoors. But he knows everyone at work now. So it's like, yeah, whatever. Um, but it's very funny you say that, Vicky, because the other day I was walking by Rite Aid and I was like, you know what, dog? We haven't been in a store since training. We're going to walk in this store you know, go up and down some aisles and walk back out. Everyone was probably looking at us like we were crazy. But I was like, you need this people work and clearance work and indoor work because we spend so much time outside that it's like you're going to lose your indoor skills here. So I've been doing that too. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. How about you, Chris? Um, well, I, I do agree with what the others have said. But one of the other things that I do with Cody um, 
He likes to play the hide and seek game. So we do some game playing. I love that game. And um, it's, it's actually really good for him. He's got to come and find me. And he, he, the game uh, is, is uh, lots of fun for both of us. He'll go running up the stairs. Oh, I hear her. Where is she? Where is she? And then he finds me. And he's all excited. And then I, then I try to make him stay, you know, in, in the same spot. Well, the CNAB guide dogs, we say wait rather than stay, but same, same concept. And then I'll try to sneak off. And then, but if she's trying to follow me, it's like, no, no, that's not part of the game. <laughs> but yeah. And, and we, you know, neighborhood walks, uh, we do stores, anything to kind of keep that brain going. We also do a lot of, um, Cody is really good and likes to show me things that he remembers. Like he, we've learned where all the garbage pails are in the neighborhood, <laughs> which is a good thing to know. The bus stops, yes. the benches, you know, he figures that I need to sit down. So he'll bring me to a bench. Oh, that's a good boy, Cody. Yeah. You took me that bench last time. So he'll bring me to the exact <laughs> same one every time. So but it's, it's a great, uh, finding game. Um, and he just is so proud of himself when he does do that. So I definitely know where all the garbage pails are though, which is awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Tyann, so much for that question. That was phenomenal. And, and I'm sure that it's on a lot of people's uh, minds right now. So let's move on to the next uh, question. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. We don't have anyone currently with our hand raised. So let me go over how to do that again. And then I want to very briefly comment on this too. Um, so if you'd like to raise your hand to ask a question, it's alt Y on the PC. Um, it's option Y on the Mac. It's more and then raise hand on your mobile device or star nine if you're dialing in on the phone. And um, just quickly, we, oh, we do have some raised hands now, which is great. Um, just to quickly comment on a couple of additional suggestions. Um, Leader Dog actually did send out a little tip sheet in March of last year with some um, tips and some of which I've found um, useful in terms of, um, and, and I've also gotten from a couple of other places, some resources. So um, in terms of obedience, if you want to help keep your dog uh, you know, stronger and make the obedience a little more um, interesting, there is, if you look on YouTube um, under the Animal Medical Center, there's a strengthening exercises for dogs video, which is excellent. And there's simple things like having your dog go from a sit to a down to a sit to a down several times in a row or having them um, having them go from a down to standing and then walking backwards or um, having them, um, I think one of them that I haven't done as much, but one of them was to hold um, their paws, uh, the angled. So like say the front uh, right and the rear left and have them walk a little bit and then change the other side to keep those strong. So there were like five different strengthening exercises in this video. So I've been doing some of those um, when I've done some obedience to just make things um, a little bit more interesting for her. And then, um, you know, I work from home and it's, it's, you know, an office position. I'm a financial analyst. So I'm, you know, if I'm working and not really for certain amounts of time able to entertain her as much, um, I've definitely used some puzzle um, toys or um, if, you know, really want to give her something fun to do, you know, put some peanut butter in a Kong, for example, and um, freeze it and let her, you know, go to town with that and such to, to you know, make sure she's okay when she's, you know, not being watched and supervised uh, when I can't pay attention to her. So um, that is, that, those are a couple of things that I've uh, done as well. So uh, now we're going to move to a new uh, hand raised, and this is a phone number ending in 005. Go ahead and ask your question. You uh, hi, my yes. name is Marlene Massat, and my I have a general question. It's probably a pre 
pre-COVID question, but in the case of a guide dog in a workplace, if there is someone there that has an allergy, how is that handled or is there a procedure for that? Um, Vicki, do you want to take that or since it's not really on the topic of this call? Um, yeah, I, I would rather, it's a good question and I do appreciate that question. Um, but I would rather stick, or, you know, because of the nature of this, this call, yeah. um, um, maybe if you're on, that's a, that's a, dis, that's a question that we could actually take on the GDUI chat list. Um, so yes, which, a, and you can go have, on our website, gdui.org. There's a, uh, or you can, there's a subscribe link there. You can send also, you can uh, send a message to a uh, chat uh, plus subscribe at uh, guidedogusersinc.org as well. Um, or you can reach out to us. We have an advocacy committee. You can send a question also to advocacy at guidedogusersinc.org with that. So, But that is, that is a very good question and it's certainly worth um, discussing. All right. So next we have Bonnie and you should be able to unmute. Hi guys, it's Bonnie Mosen and Eclipse from New Zealand. I just want to thank you guys for having this. This has been absolutely fantastic. And I just have a, a comment and then a question. My comment is it's it's so inspiring to hear how the schools have managed through this situation. And it just it's just amazing that everyone has just continued doing what you're doing in these in these times. And it's just really makes me so proud to well be an American, even though I'm over here now. Um, <laughs> I, feel, I feel, and you know, especially the seeing eye, which is where my dog is from, but all of you guys rock. Um, I feel kind of guilty because I'm in a country where we're pretty much back to normal. Uh, we've had a new normal. Um, we've had some pretty significant lockdowns. Um, over the past year, including an eight-week one last year and a few two- and three-week ones over the past uh, this year. And um, so there is, you know, worrying about working your guide and that sort of stuff is such a, a real worry. But with the suggestions that everyone has been doing, you, you will come through it. You And you'll probably be a stronger team because I was worried about not working Eclipse for eight weeks and because um, we weren't really allowed to leave the house, maybe go on a brief exercise route, but not anything. And she, she came back fine. She taught herself to social distance. And now I'm trying to teach her to unsocial distance. So um, <laughs> but, but my question is for the, um, the guide dog school staff, staff, have you learned anything in this past year doing this that you might want to carry forward when things get back to whatever normal looks like? Let's um, let's go ahead and have the staff. Rob, why don't we start with you? Oh, I'm just looking. Yeah, um, there you are. It's a good, it's a good question, um, and I think it is important to reflect on these things. Um, you know, we have these difficult times to reflect on what we have learned from them. Um, I think one thing that I've really learned and been impressed by is how adaptable the dogs have been to the situation and often to the lack of routine. Um, you know, some of our dogs were out of action for multiple months or with very limited, limited um, working routes, um, very limited training. And some of them just bounced back immediately. There was not as much regression in terms of their knowledge or performance as I would have expected. 
Um, so that's potentially something that I will consider moving forward. You know, if there's a dog who's had an injury, um, you know, I, I might have taken things a little bit slower in their rehabilitation previously and just sort of building them back up to where they were. But um, judging from the results this year, that that may not be necessary and might be able to create a bit more efficiency. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, Rivi, how about you? Great, thank you for that question. So there are a lot of things that we did learn this past year. Um, and I'm sure not only the guide dog schools, but literally everybody in this whole world has learned so much. Uh, but one of the big takeaways that I've gotten is the use of technology. Um, here we are sitting on a Zoom meeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so, I mean, people from all over the world right now. So the use of technology has been really wonderful, and it's something that I, I hope we can continue to use into the future. Um, a lot of times uh, using uh, virtual, uh, I'm sorry, technology just for doing problem solving out in the field, instead of having field rep there in person, which we can't really do right now just because of uh, some of the safety factors, um, we could do things more remotely um, using video. And we've learned that there's a lot that we can do uh, remotely and the use of technology is wonderful. But I would say that's one of the big thing. And the second big thing is just how well we all work together. Um, the schools work together, all of uh, the graduates, all of the applicants, all the consumers, uh, we're all really working to to get over this big epi- this big hump in our lives right now. And uh, we're sure enough be through it very shortly. And uh We'll be back to quote unquote normal in the future. <laughs> All right, thank you. So, uh, how about you, Dave? Uh, I think I think uh, Rivi nailed it strongly with with technology and how it's changed us. Um, certainly, uh, we've had to meet via Zoom in because we can't gather in groups, and um, there's definitely something lost by not being able to meet with people. We know that also. Um, we've been able to learn to interview folks um, using Zoom, using iPhones, you know, all the technologies. Is it what we would prefer to do? No, but it at least keeps the system moving um, and it, it keeps applications coming in and, and so on. I guess um, advocacy has been huge during this this whole thing. Um not only did we have the whole DOT ruling yes. come across during this this whole thing, but social distancing um, was something that the sighted public didn't understand, nor was it something that we had ever had to advocate for. So, so we did a whole social distancing campaign and, and have gotten quite a bit of mileage out of it, teaching the public that that the dogs don't understand six feet and can't measure six feet um, and actually teaching them that it's it. And, and that, that somebody who can't see can't tell that they're there unless they speak to them. So we did a whole bunch about that. And, you know, I don't know, hardly a day goes by where I don't learn something, um, especially from our students. So um, we've been making a lot of lemonade out of this whole situation. And I'm sure there's going to be some things that we carry with us forever and ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it is a tremendous learning experience. I have said for quite a while now that I have a love-hate relationship with virtual. I am so, so very grateful that we have yeah. the ability to do the things we've done. But I cannot wait until we get back to the point where we can get together again. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really do miss uh, being able to do that. Um, oh. How about another uh, question? I know we're getting close to the end of our time together. Yes, we um, have about 17 minutes. And Colleen, you're next. Um, Colleen, I've sent you a prompt to unmute yourself. Okay. Um, I can, let's see. Okay, I just did it, sent it to you again, Colleen. So let's see if you can. Okay, then let's shift over. We may be able to come back to you, Colleen. Let's go then to Becky. Becky, you should be able to. Un- oh, okay. Yes, you should- uh, yes I on. did. Yep. Uh, so my question is primarily for the staff of the guide dog schools. Um, how long are you, I should say, are you um, finding that your trainings are taking place in a much shorter time period than they than they did pre-COVID? Or are you thinking um, or finding that they're taking about the same time? How's that working? So, uh, it's, it's Dave. Is that dog right, training or yeah. human training? Um, yeah, I was going to Well, actually, that's a good question. Um, I, would, I was definitely really thinking in human training, but I'm kind of curious uh, <laughs> in dog training as well, now that you mentioned it. Hey, come in. How are you? 13 hour day. Oh, Mark. Okay. Uh, one second, folks. If I'm just going to do a mute all here to cut down on the background noise. Okay. So go ahead. Um, who I think Dave, were you feel free to unmute? I think you were coming in to answer that question. Yeah. Sure. Well, I, was, I just wanted clarification. So um, everything is going faster probably um, because there's so much one on one. We we took our our dog population, knowing that that think that classes were going to be smaller, and we're our instructors are training less dogs, and we could train them in a shorter amount of time. But we're such a well oiled machine that we, it would take some a huge shake to the entire organization to to shorten our training periods and and uh, change up how we do class. So. We're sort of maintaining that class schedule, but we are training less dogs and they are getting way more work um, and they're just great. As for the students, because they're one-on-one trained and um, they're, they're, it's just ha- everything's happening much faster. And I'm finding that when people do go home, they're not calling and asking for help because they're so well informed when they go. We can give them so much personal attention on campus. Wonderful. Okay. That's my short answer. Rizzy, how about you? Yeah, at the Guide Dog Foundation, we do have a two to one uh, instructor to student, uh, student to instructor ratio uh, normally on campus. And we do have a two week class. Um, So by being able to keep those ratios down, we're able to give a lot more individual attention to each uh, particular student. Uh, With the home trainings, uh, we do do, uh, one instructor to one student. There are some times where we might be able to do home trainings where we might uh, have two uh, students who live, might live close together, close nearby one another. So in those cases, we will have one instructor working with those two students, um, but it's pretty rare just with uh, the size of the country and uh, with everything going on with the pandemic. Um, but really with a two to one uh, ratio and the, the two week training, we really don't have too much of a difference. We're still producing the uh, roughly about the same numbers as we normally do on a nor- on a regular year. So we're still able to give that great quality training and service to all of our consumers. Thank you so much. Uh, Rob? 
Yeah, I think uh, similar to what Dave and Rivi have said, um, I think our, our our times for um, handler training have probably gone down a little bit. Um, previously, our model was to do two weeks at a hotel, um, followed by approximately five days at home. So um, by working more in a home-based situation, we're, we've cut that down to um, about a two-week period, um, depending on the experience level of the handler. Um, but it's looking at about two weeks. So it is a little bit quicker, um, but not necessarily as efficient for our time um, because it is predominantly one-on-one. I, we have been looking to try and find um, those opportunities to train two handlers that may live close geographically, um, to train two at once when possible, um, which also has had benefits. We've been able to do some socially distanced group obedience, um, but even just um, we've done some um, some of the lectures we've done um, over Zoom using technology, um, and it's just been nice when we have a couple of people doing um, completing class at the same time that they've got some peer support and someone going through it as well. So it makes it feel a bit more like pre-COVID times. <laughs> All right. Next, uh, we have Sue. You should be able to unmute yourself. I've sent you a prompt on your screen. Um, hi, this question is for the young lady that's speaking for leader dogs. Um, I'm a leader dog graduate. And oh, my yeah, and my dog is doing I actually just spoke with my trainer not too long ago. We were worried about having to retire her, but um I just came out of a 12-week injury for myself. Ooh. And we were thinking of maybe retiring Laney in June. Um is leader are they i know um are they accepting canadian school canadian trainers or should i start my application for cnib guide dog school uh okay so i did not since i'm actually in new york so i didn't ask about um canada i would call them um to see what they're okay. doing i know a lot of it is based on what the numbers are like um they're i think they are you know trying to get as many locations as they can prior to what they did during covid i know um they were saying in terms of the at home they were covering around 20 states when i spoke with them a couple yeah. of weeks back so i would definitely call because again i didn't uh, I'm, I'm in new york so i didn't ask about that so i would definitely call them and ask yeah because i know a friend of mine is having a trouble having trouble getting her leader dog over and that's why i was asking are they not something canadians or should i should i should i so i guess not now this question should go out to rob should i get my application going to cnib soon um personally i always recommend people um submit applications to as many schools as, as they as they can really um you know, having options is never a bad thing. So, um, but yeah, we'd love to see your application come across my desk. <laughs> All right. And next we have Jennifer. You should be able to unmute yourself. Okay. Let me. Hi there. There um, you are. There she is. My, my question is about the social distancing when out training. Um, my biggest problem at the beginning of COVID was distancing. Because when you're trained in school, you're trained to be right behind the next dog um, in person. And it, it was very um, challenging for us to learn the two feet distancing. How are you training or helping uh, graduates before COVID? Um, uh, 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 how do you call it? Adapt 
do this social distancing because I'm independent. I'm an, I'm an independent uh, handler. I, I just, I go, <laughs> I don't have another person to go with me and stuff. And I found that this social distancing, stepping on a dot, X, Y, Z, um, it just, it was very nerve wracking for me to, to, to work with my dog. Um, I wanted to ask how, um, are the schools in general having, having a, um, putting something together for each school? So a, a protocol thing? I don't know. I don't know what I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to question, question this. <laughs> Sorry. So Jennifer, just for clarity, are you asking the staff, um, uh, how they are teaching students to social distance or are right. you more interested in how the students are doing, doing this? Well, um, I guess the trainers, um, because, okay. because right now we're, fo- I'm flying blind literally on how, I, how to, 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 how to move up with all this COVID stuff and, and the dots and the circles and the, Okay. Okay. Thank you, Jennifer. I think we do have the gist and just to keep things moving. So the staff would like to comment. So Rob, uh, maybe that would be a good one for you since you're actually training right now. Um, What advice might you have for Jennifer? Um, It's a good question. And I wish I had a better answer because it's very, we're very limited in what we can do with social distancing. Um, what we've done is is just put out a big advocacy campaign, um, you know, so we can get the public to understand um, that, you know, our dogs don't understand social distancing. We, you know, dogs can't follow arrows on the ground. They're not taught, trained to do that. So I, I think one of the biggest things is just um, one, putting out like a public advocacy campaign. Um, and the other thing we've done is um, spoke to handlers on class about how they can advocate for themselves if they do end up in a difficult situation where someone's right. questioning them on that. Because um, from a practical standpoint, um, we, I haven't come up with a, a solution where we can teach the dogs which errors to follow, which dots to stand on. So, um, you know, if it was just one store... We could certainly do that. We could certainly teach them to target a specific spot when needed, but, um, you know, it's different in every situation. So I think the biggest answer is, is advocacy and, and understanding from the public. Yeah, that is an excellent point. And one of the things that I right. have done is just try to keep in verbal uh, yeah. conversation with the people around me. And I have no problem saying, is this good? Am I okay to stay here? Um, and so I just use my big mouth. <laughs> hey, Vicky, this is Rivy from Guide Dog Foundation. Um, we actually did do a lecture that we did post uh, for our consumers uh, just on advocacy and what to do when you're going out in public, how to advocate for yourself. Like, as Vicky said, like you walk into a doctor's office, hey, is everybody in here wearing a mask? Um, you know, just make sure that you are safe. Um, so we do have a whole lecture on that. Um, if anybody is interested in it, um, if you want to contact an email, uh, consumerservice.guidedog.org, put it in the chat. Um, some literature. Uh, we also have some like at-home exercises that uh, we've done with our dogs when you're at home too. Um, so I'll put, I'll put our, our email address in the chat. So if anybody's interested, we can send you guys some information. It works for all schools and all dogs. <laughs> All right. Um, let's, okay. I okay, know there we're you are. Out of time here. Do we have time for another question or two? 
Um, well, we do. Yeah, we do have four minutes. So I think let's try Gerald. If you, you should be able to unmute yourself. I've sent you a prompt. Yes. Okay. Good evening. Yes, we can hear you. Um, I'm from Toronto. I have a question for any of the guide dog school trainers. I'm looking to um, train with a guide dog again, but I'm in a wheelchair and I'm losing what's left of my vision. Are there any schools that can help me with this situation? Okay. Um, again, Vicky, I think same thing as before, since it isn't quite on the COVID topic. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, there is, uh, you might be able to find some of your questions answered on the guide dog users uh, website where the school surveys, um, you might be able to do some research for that uh, for you. Um, one more maybe before we close. Yeah, let's see if we can get Colleen again. Uh, we'll circle back. Colleen, are you able to unmute? Can you guys hear me now? Yes. Okay, great. There you go. All right. <laughs> um, thank you for this presentation. And um, yeah, I just was wondering too, I'm in the process of filling out an application and I wasn't sure you can apply to more than one school then. I mean, is that okay Absolutely. to do that? Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. All right. So with that, Vicki, uh, we have three minutes too. So if you'd like to see well, any closing. Uh, this, is, this is just an amazing time. And I cannot thank our panelists, uh, Rob Kramer from CNIB Guide Dogs, Chris Trottle Conklin. Conklin, I'll get the name said correctly. <laughs> um, graduate from CNIB Guide Dogs, Tricia Evil from Seeing Eye, Dave Johnson from the Seeing Eye, Brandy Pinder from Guide Dog Foundation, and Rivi Israel from Guide Dog Foundation, and of course, Maria from Lunar Dogs, and also our wonderful Zoom person. I cannot thank you all enough, and for all of you who have joined us and been a part of this call, thank you so much for your contributions. Um, you know, certainly we can... Uh, continue this discussion on the chat list. Um, we can all be through the website. And I just want to thank everyone. Um, and I hope that um, for those that may have had questions and concerns, I hope maybe through all of uh, these um, uh, accounts that have been given that you do feel um, more comfortable about possibly going ahead and reapplying or applying to a guide dog school uh, for a uh, dog. And I just want to thank everybody very much. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.